Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good evening. This is Rescue Radio, and welcome. And uh, yeah, I'm here by myself tonight. Um, speaking of ambulance rides, <laughs> I got one on Sunday, Mother's Day of all things. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those things you don't really schedule for the day, but um, Jerry ended up riding in an ambulance, and so I got to ride in the front seat. It, they didn't do the siren thing because it wasn't that urgent, but we did get straight into the ER, and... Um, it's a minor little uh, assault from the enemy, but he's doing good. That's why he's not here tonight. Um, but we know what ambulances are part of crises, and crises are part of curses. So tonight we're going to talk about generational curses and the skeletons in your closet. And before we start, let's pray, because I don't think the devil likes us talking about this. Father, we thank you that we can talk about this. We thank you that you've given us wisdom, you've given us your spirit, and that we can understand through your word and through your spirit what is going on in the spiritual world? And, Lord, we know there's a lot going on, and a lot of it we just assume and take for granted and, and uh, we're ignorant of, and ignorance is not bliss when it comes to this sort of thing. So, Father, we pray that you'd give us divine protection as you have all day. Uh, we thank you that the enemy is defeated already. He was already defeated 2,000 years ago. We thank you, Jesus, that you're coming back. We thank you that you're, you're in control of everything and that you sent your... Uh, you're, you paid for us through your blood, made uh, a way for us to be eternally saved and safe and delivered from the curses. And so, Father, we thank you now for divine protection to cover us, our families, those who work for us and pray for us and love us, and the many that have come to us in the past for help, that tonight those listening would be encouraged, blessed. All of us would be protected and equipped, Lord God, that we can fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life and not be um, uh, uh, victims of the enemy's plots, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So because um, this is a big topic, uh, generational curses, spiritual warfare kind of pulls into that a lot, I'm going to ask Desiree tonight to kind of join me uh, in talking about the curses. And maybe if you would be so kind as to call in, that would be awesome too, because, you know, that's what we're all about here is trying to get your um, involvement in the show. So right away, off the top of the bat, I'm going to give you the phone number. It's 347-215-8051. Okay, so um, go ahead, Desiree. Why don't you introduce yourself? She's my good old side cook here, and she's my, my, my practice. I do a lot of experimentation on her. and uh, Oh, brother. <laughs> she's been good. Learned a lot of things. Yes, yes, been with you for almost nine years, so uh, there's a lot to know. Yeah, I know. When you sign up for this uh, job, <laughs> life recovery, you have no idea. What's... No, there was no job description, and that was my fault. <laughs> no, it wasn't your fault. That was design planned from, divine, from God, so we could expand your horizons. <laughs> yeah, there you go, stretch to the max. Yeah, so um, well, you're going to help me tonight talk about generational curses, right? 
Well, yes, we're going to talk about generational curses, and I think the first thing most people want to know is what is one? Well, um, how about, yeah, a generational curse is a pattern of trouble and uh, a consistent kind of um, bad things happening to you. And you maybe you get used to it. You, you think it's just bad luck or it's just a coincidence or it's fate or something. But a lot of people learn to live with their curses and they don't really um, uh, think much of it after a while. They just kind of brace themselves or try to figure out a way to work around it, get around it sort of thing. But actually, I got kind of involved in it, just counseling and working with people. Um, I didn't start out thinking about generational curses. I didn't even really think that there was such a thing, you know, because I was also always taught, especially after I was saved, that everything's under the blood and, you know, Christians can't mm-hmm. have curses, stuff like that. So um, when I started working with people in counseling, I started noticing after, you know, a while that not only do people believe lies and the lies are the roots of their problems, you know, they have believed, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So they were believing lies and coming into bondage, but there were patterns to those bondages. In other words, after about the first uh, year or so, God started prompting me to do the geneogram or the generational bloodline for people. And, and um, so I got out my trusty little geneogram chart and I started writing down things about their, their families uh, to see if there was... What would the geneogram look like, per se? Well, you have to get my book, and there's one right in the book. It's called Diagnosing Your Family Tree. But actually, it looks like an upside-down tree. You're at the bottom, and then every a generation has its own level and goes up until you go to your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, and usually people can't remember much beyond that unless they've done something with Ancestry.com or something, and they kind of know they go back to the Mayflower or whatever. But... Um, so I was, I was starting to write down things that seemed to be uh, relevant, uh, asking them questions. For example, one of the main things I would ask them is their name and the names of all their people. And the reason I did that is because I was convinced after a bit of research and after observing all of the things that go on and understanding how the spiritual warfare works, that people are being, um, there's a strong man in their life, a, a specific demon that is set or assigned to them, set there to destroy them or bring the generational curses down the line, although at the time I didn't know all of it. What I did know was that this spirit or strong man was a territorial spirit, and they are considered property. Each one of us is a piece of property as far as the devil is concerned. And um, when we, <laughs> he treats us like, property you know right but anyway so but how he identifies his rulership over us is by taking our very name he uses the strongman uses our name like for example in the book of daniel talked about the prince of persia well he was the head honcho demon ruling spirit over that nation or that country or that, and so he was called the prince of persia he was the head demon or ruler over in the wickedness, in the wicked world over that country. And so for you and I, the Spirit will use our names. I know this sounds crazy, but when you bind the strong man who would use your name, and that's your name that goes on your birth certificate, um, you bind the familiar spirit that uses that, you're taking authority over the, the, the generational junk and the demons who are sent to bring that down. So first thing we would do is bind the spirit that uses their name. And that would mean their middle name, first name, middle name. 
if they had pet names or um, if they had two names, like say they were adopted or something, and you'd have to mm-hmm. use both of them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Have I lost you so far? Nope. You haven't lost me. Okay. Well, you just, you got to think like other people out there. They're going to think, what? This is too weird. But anyway, it, it, so when, once we have the name of the person, mm-hmm. then we ask the names of their grandparents, their parents and their grandparents to go up the line that way. Um, and so we get a sense of on both sides, your mother's side and your father's side, there is information coming down the bloodline. And that information, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, but what are we looking for? Well, we're looking for the reasons for the problems because the Bible says in Proverbs um, 26.2, the curse without a cause does not come. So first we identify the, cause, the curse, and the way we identify it is by looking for patterns. For example, um, I will ask them uh, if their parents are still alive or if they're not, the grandparents, how old they were when they died and what did they die from. Because I really, there's two things that seem to stand out, and that is you live the way you die, or you die the way you've lived, you know. And, and also, if you're not living the prescribed 70 or 80 years, that's a lot of demand, then you have a short life for some reason. And a lot of times, the curse of, of witchcraft will cause a premature death. Now, what I'm saying tonight, you have to understand there are many, many factors Many different kinds of spirits that can be influencing, you know, a shortened life um, or diseases or car accidents. There's many, many things that are involved and many, but for all of them, the simple thing to know is that you have given them permission through the lies you believed. But, so as we kind of looked at that and found out certain people that have a lot of bloodshed in their bloodline have more problems with them. You know, blood issues in their bodies. You know, it's like, like for example, people who are involved in um, the mafia, for example, or um, you know, a lot of killing or murder or bloodshed. Um, they oftentimes have things like heart attacks, aneurysms, birth defects. People who are killing people also in their bloodlines also have a lot more death in forms of murder and bloodshed and suicide and. Uh, like I said, the heart attack kind of thing. So a lot of so times... Blood you, for blood. Exactly. Blood for blood. Okay. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, blow for a blow. So if there's a lot of... Whatever it is, the devil will bring that judgment back down on the next generation. Wow. Yeah. So... So you... you, you, you so far... I haven't lost you so far. No, no. It's, it's fascinating. So if somebody came in for your appointment... And you do a genogram, take a generational history, mm-hmm. and let's just say they were just coming in for something like they say, like, I just feel like my life is going in circles. Oh, okay. How how would you figure that out out of doing a genogram? Well, it's very interesting. I think the Lord helps me a lot. It can be um, a lot of different things. But, for example, you'd first of all, Find out what are the lies they're believing about themselves and about making progress in their life. Um, so I would say, I'd say, Jesus, Son of the Living God, do you love so and so? And then I'd say, Now, Lord, what is the what is the the lie that fear is telling them about their life, or the lie that fear is telling them about being depressed or whatever the the concern is? And so then. 
um, so then the Lord will bring something to their mind. And while he's doing that, I am binding the spirits who have programmed them or, or blocked them from knowing or receiving that information from the Lord because he will bring it to their understanding. And it's amazing. This works all the time. I mean, it's not just a hit and miss kind of there are always their lives every single single time, and there's always a reason for whatever they're going through. There's always a reason, because the Bible says the curse without a cause does not come. Well, what if somebody doesn't really think it's a curse per se? Like, just say they have a bunch of car accidents. How how would anybody think that would be a curse? Well, first of all, car accidents are not a blessing. Well, that's true. So, but the thing we do with car accidents is we, we call them accidents. And therefore, we just, we, we just categorize them as nobody's fault, can't do anything about it, it just happened, you know, um, it's a fate thing, it's a coincidence, um, it's, it's just, it is what it is, right? But, but I, had, I started to notice that as I did hundreds of these generational geneograms, uh, and now, by now, I've got thousands and thousands of them, really, literally. I mean, if you come in for an appointment, that's about the very first thing we do. It's like taking an, it's like an intake, really. Most people do it, a questionnaire kind of thing. Sure. When you go to the doctor, they ask mm-hmm. you about your family medical history. So you're and why do you suppose they do that? I suppose to some extent they, they know that it's passed on from one generation to the right. other, but they don't they understand do. that it's spiritual as well. Well, it is passed on, and they use our, that to confirm a diagnosis, for example, especially things like diabetes and stuff that we know are already kind of genetic. In, in, but but where, where, how are car accidents genetic? Right. So then I started thinking, well, first I thought it was genetic too, but then I saw that the car accidents... Uh, where are they on the genes and chromosomes? I mean, it was just like, okay, this is a mystery. And so I started digging it out a little bit. And I found out that not everybody has car accidents. As a matter of fact, a lot of people don't. They don't. And then you have people with a six car accidents, 12 car accidents, 100 car I mean, not 100, but just a rash of car accidents. And, and you know, if you believe the truth of the word, it says the curse without a cause does not come, then you have to look for the cause. So, the, so going back to understanding spiritual warfare, you know that it's all based on agreement and authority. We come into an agreement with a lie. We give the devil our authority. He uses our authority against us to bring to pass the thing we feared. Or the thing we believed would happen or the thing we were afraid would happen. And, for example, in car accidents, uh, and, he's, and another thing with car accidents before I say that, a lot of times people say, well, these are just learned behaviors. Well, how do you learn behaviors for car accidents? Reckless driving, driving too fast, maybe. But you think, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, yes, I've had a few, few car accidents myself, but I wasn't driving in all of them, so it's not necessarily yeah, but you were, you my were bad driving habit, so to speak. That's true. But you... Uh, and a lot of times you'll notice with people's car accidents, they have the same type of car accident over and over again. If they're sliding on the ice, they'll have the same type of thing. Or if there's um, rear-ended, they'll have a lot of rear-ended. It's kind of like the same type of accident, so you say, it's not a coincidence. So so the, a lot of the lies, people believe, there, there may be a lie agreement with death, 
or they may have a problem with the demons of accidents, assaults, and injuries. They may have other types of falls. They may have been believed or told that they were clumsy. Um, they could say things and believe things like, I don't care, uh, and I don't care is a reckless demon that lets you kind of, you know, rebellion, I don't care, it doesn't matter. So whatever goes, goes. And so then the enemy's kind of, you've given him a blank check to do whatever he wants in your life. Sure. So, um, and, I, and when you make an agreement with death, like I hate my life, I wish they were dead, I don't want to be here, um, I don't care. And another one that's very interesting is whatever. Whatever is making an agreement with whatever. You're giving the enemy a blank check to do whatever. And if there was a lot of... Oh, that's scary. Huh? That's scary? Why is that scary? Because you're giving them a blank check to do whatever? Yeah, and people do that. Wow. I think people don't realize some of these casual little idle words that they say, like um, whatever, or it is what it is, or I don't care. All mm-hmm. give the devil operative privileges in your life. But but if you look back at the bloodline, you'll see that other people in the bloodline have already had those kinds of accidents. And so what you're seeing is the enemy was able to accomplish something, like say two, three generations before you, and he's got already got a weak spot in the wall there. He's got a permission slip. He's, got, he's already been successful in that area once, and so he just brings down that program that operating system into the next generation so each and it, i think it's a mark of the dna too i really do i think there's a there's a there's a genetic uh information and material that is pr- passed on from each generation um like i told you a couple of weeks ago that even a trauma suffered by the parent is picked up by the offspring in their dna uh, so they are they're traumatized by what by what happened to their parents, and it affects and changes the DNA. The DNA is constantly being rewritten, believe it or not. I do believe it. Yeah, we've we've listened to some stuff by other people that have talked mm-hmm. about um, how the marks are showing up on the DNA, and that must explain the scripture then why it's passed on from mm-hmm. the father to the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Jesus, well, there's a couple of verses I know. Scriptures are important, and Christians wonder, well, can I have a curse? I'm under, you know, I'm saved. Well, can a Christian have a curse? Well, curses come through through uh, disobedience, through vulnerabilities, believing lies, being tricked, and not being direct or dealing specifically with the devil. And so if you are just passive in your agreements and you haven't really submitted to God, resisted the devil, you just kind of think, well, it's under the blood, it's no big deal, God's going to take care of it. Yeah, that's true in a way, but um, God is also expecting us to, he said, resist the devil, submit to him. We cannot allow these passive, ho-hum, kind of, oh, it's done for me kind of a attitude. Faith even demands work. It, Paul, uh, James says, Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You can't just give lip service to your salvation, and you say, well, it's, it's done for me. Well, it can't completely all be done for you without your agreement, because the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. So the, God does everything except the last piece. He has to have you agree with him, or you have to come into an agreement with him. So when you're coming into agreement with the devil, or your generations have, they've made that agreement. Uh, then your that agreement is still in force unless you 
cancel it out. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So if if a new believer gets saved and, you know, of course, they most of us get saved saying everything's going to be all better, everything's going to be uh-huh. great. And, you know, maybe a couple months later, it's like, quote, unquote, all hell has broken loose. Yep, that's right. That's exactly right. You know, when you get saved, people never tell you you've just entered the war. You just move from from right. a, a being dog to, uh, uh, you know, being pummeled by the enemy because he's now, you're an enemy of his and, and you're dangerous. And so um, a lot of times people say, oh, it's he born again, born again. But it's also requiring a death, the death to the old man, the old nature, the old programming, the old thoughts, the old agenda, if you will. And to do that, we need to really go back and look at what are the grounds the devil is using to build his case against you and your bloodline before the court of heaven. Because that's really, in a nutshell, what's going on. He's called the accuser of the brethren. So if, for example, if Satan um, comes before God and, and you're a new believer and you haven't got it figured out yet and the Holy Spirit's working on you and, and all of a sudden you know, you're starting to have problems with your heart and your rhythms of your heart are off, for example, or you know, um, you're getting that sort of you know, simulated panic, attack heart, or something. panic attacks, heart attack type things. Um, if you're getting that happening to you, uh, the enemy has gone before God and says, I have a right to give her the symptoms. I have a right because he's trying to get you to agree with the symptoms, and most people do because they freak out. Oh, no, it's my heart. I can't be fooling around. Really, yeah. So we rush off to the wherever, ER or whatever. But, so he's saying, but God, I have a right to bring this heart attack. And he can't do the heart attack without getting you to agree with it. So, but he's going to make you uh, feel like you're having a heart attack so that he can get you to agree with it. Then he pushes the agenda, pushes his, his, his case before the court of heaven. He says, but God, I have a right. I have a right to bring this heart attack on her because, number one, she is listening to me. She's afraid. Um, she's already, you know, got murder in her heart and her generations before her. They committed murder. I have a right. It's blood, it's blood for blood. And so he's present, presenting his case to God to bring you into a place of judgment, into a place of testing, into a place of, of um, assault. And God, of course, as the righteous judge, determines what's going to happen, but he also is fair. So if the, if the devil has a case, even though he's lying, um, and you and your few people have committed idolatry, they have sacrificed their babies, they have um, practiced witchcraft in the past, they have murdered other people, then God says, yeah, you're right. There, there is bloodshed there. And then Jesus will stand up in the courtroom as your defense attorney and he'll say, but I died for her. And God says to the devil, this is very well. He says, you can test her, but you cannot have her. So that's how a lot of the testing happens because uh, until we say, well, Lord, show me what's going on here. I mean, we are just, we, we don't have to be so passive in what's happening in your life. A lot of people just are very passive. That's their problem. They have this passive agreement. Well, I think a lot of people don't, it doesn't even occur to them that this is something that doesn't have to happen to them. They just think it's normal I that know. you have problems, that you have a car accident, that, you know, yeah. it's, it's my genetic makeup to have diabetes. They don't even think that this is something I can get rid of. 
Well, think about it this way. I, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. But most believers are not suffering from an abundant life. They're suffering from a very chewed up, broken up, attacked life. And so you should say, well, why did Jesus say that if it's not true? Well, it, it, there has to be some reason. Um, in Leviticus, for example, 26:39, he starts out by telling us, if you will confess your iniquity and the iniquity of your fathers, which is with you, then I will restore the covenant. So that's a scripture that tells us that there is a covenant uh, to protect the people. But they're also, when the children of Israel were breaking that covenant by practicing idolatry, they were moving away from God's protection under his covering the law, and they were moving into the devil's camp. They were becoming more targeted by the enemy who had a right to them because they willfully worshipped idols and did uh, the things that God had told them not to do. So at that point, when you become agreeing with or cooperating with the devil, then the devil has a right to bring upon you judgments for, you know, for, for, for resisting, for breaking God's law. And the other thing is the Bible says in, in the middle of the Ten Commandments, God reminded them, he says, the sins of the fathers are, are visited onto the children to the third and fourth generations. He was reminding them, don't forget that when, what you're, you're doing is going to affect your children and your grandchildren. Um, and so there's this kind of avalanche or cascading down of the sins, unfinished business from one generation to the next. So God gives us three or four generations to confess, repent, change our minds, uh, uh, admit we're wrong, cancel out the agreements, and get back into righteousness and holiness and obedience. And if that doesn't happen in three or four generations, then we have a major epidemic of the plagues, the problems that hit that family or that bloodline. And then in Ezekiel 18, we have another example of this when he says the, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and it's affected the children because now the children's teeth are set on edge. You know how it is when you eat a sour grape. It's like, oh, and you just kind of, your teeth kind of sour and you yeah, pucker. And, yeah. Yeah. But so he's in the, and that has to do with not only what the fathers did in terms of how they handled their walk with God, but how they also handled their children. So you can, you know, the more angry and upset and violent and abusive and neglectful you are and abandoning your children, the more you're going to see them react in those ways. And then they react again in their children's lives. So uh, it just becomes mm-hmm. a both a thing that's genet- genetic and, and, and uh, learned. Well, yeah, see, I think a lot of people are going, well, I didn't really do anything to deserve all these things that are happening to me. And it reminds me of that one verse where they asked Jesus, you know, who sinned, this man or his parents? And he said neither one of them had. Yeah, he did say that, but he never said that nobody had sinned. And that's the point uh, that the, the quiet, Jesus didn't. Uh, say much at that point about the generational curses, but he says in Matthew, for example, when he's going after the Pharisees, he's calling them a brood of vipers and whatnot in, in Matthew 23. He says, um, he says, um, serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, he says, um, indeed, you, set, you send, you, I send you prophets, wise men and scribes, some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city that you may that may come upon you all the righteous blood on earth from the blood of the of righteous Abel the first man of course who was murdered to Zechariah the son of Berechiah whom you murdered between the temple and the altar 
Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon, come upon this generation. Now, obviously, they didn't kill Abel. Obviously, they weren't living in the time when Zechariah was killed. But he was saying, you are the sons of the prophet, because they said, we would never, we would never have done that. He says, we would have, you know, never built those. Uh, well, they, he said, they said, we built the sepulchers. He said, by, by saying that, you're saying you are the sons of those who killed them. And um, so, therefore, your witnesses against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. And at that point, then, this generational uh, curse of murder was coming down the bloodline because they refused to repent. So the whole thing goes back to re- repenting, changing your mind, canceling out the agreements, humbling yourself. And believers, I, I just can't believe how resistant people are to the fact of repenting, even after they're safe. They don't want to change a thing. They want their life to be better, but they don't want to confess their sin. They don't want to um, admit that they've been practicing a lot of idolatry or cruelty or gossip or whatever. It is. They just want everything to be fine the way they want it. And you can't. Why do you think that is? Well, first of all, I don't think they're taught. I think we're poorly taught. I think we're taught that there's, you know, there's all this thing about forgiveness, forgiveness. Yeah, there's a lot of forgiveness out there. God, it's called grace, it's called mercy. But at the same time, you just said it a few minutes ago, why are all these people suffering if they're Christians? There's got to be a reason for it. What do you think it is? Well... Obviously, we're talking about generational curses, so I'm sure that's a big part of it. I think a lot of it is their ignorance. They don't know this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you have a question, please call in. Uh, we'd love to hear your questions, and and uh, we've got a, a lot of discussion so far. The number is 347-215-8051. I know this is a, a hard subject because it's it's just like, the more you look at it, there's more to know and more to understand, and it's just kind of a constant, um, you know, kind of grows uh, bigger and bigger and bigger, and it, it all hooks together, that all connects. And so you, you're realizing that people are suffering a lot of problems because they are ignorant, because they weren't taught. They're Christians, but they don't realize now they're in the fight. Paul says, fight the good fight of faith and so lay hold of eternal life. He's not saying, okay, sit back, relax. There is a place of rest for the believer. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing. We're, we're to labor, to enter into the rest, where the, the fruits come out of our abiding. You know, the work of that abiding is fruit. You know, the, the demonstration of our faith is our works. So the, the faith comes first, and then we prove our faith by obeying God. And when the Holy Spirit, who's there, sent there to sanctify you, says, okay, it's time to look at that fear. It's time to look at that anxiety. It's time to look at that irritability. It's time to look at that um, eating habit. It's time to look at whatever it is. And he is ready to bring you the truth on that thing, if you're ready to go there, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, but a lot of people, I think they're just maybe stupefied, lazy, um, not taught, um, it's not wanting somebody to do it for them, feel helpless. And so they might actually have a demon. Yeah. And you know, there's another, there's another controversial issue. Can a Christian have a demon? 
Well, obviously, if all this stuff is going on in your life, something's going on. And if you're not, if I'm not doing the thing I don't want to do, then I'm not doing it. Something else is doing it in me. And um, that's Romans 7.20. And so, but most people, you'd rather be ignorant than think that, that you could possibly have a spirit inside of you or be being programmed or having have been programmed by a demon or by the experiences of your life. But when you start looking at this, it starts to make way more sense and much more reasonable than all the things we're expected to believe that we just can't understand or explain at all. You know, it's like this walk with Christ is not a mystery. It's a battle. There's a lot of, there's a lot of warfare. If you understand what's really going on, you're not going to be so ignorant. You'll know how to fight the good fight. You'll know how to, to lay hold of eternal You'll know how to... Put a stop to what the devil is saying. No, you won't, devil. You will not. You will put that back. You can't have that. I cancel out that agreement. You will not be able to trigger me, make me feel fearful, because Jesus will show you the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of people, too, they feel intimidated to do that. Okay. You know, to, to think that they could talk and tell a, a devil, no, you won't do that, or... No, you can't, sir. Well, and a lot of times I'm sure it doesn't even occur to them that that's what's going on. They're not looking at it. You know, we see it from the behind the scenes a lot of times because we're in it all the time. Most people just think, well, that's just what happens. That's just my every day. They don't, you know, they don't think that there could be something else going on behind the scenes. You know, look behind the curtain. What's going on? Yeah. Exactly, and that's the ignorance, I think, and that's part of what the devil exactly wants to, to do. Number one, a lot of believers, I don't know what they believe in because they don't believe in, in heaven, they don't believe in hell, they don't believe in demons, they don't believe in, uh, you know, nothing, really. I mean, what do they believe in? I think they use their salvation like um, fire insurance. I got it, I'll stuff it in the drawer. I'll, I'll dig, dig it out if I get a fire, you know. But Jesus means for this to be a walk a walk with him. And if you look at how he walked with his disciples, it was a relationship. It was a, they were doing warfare every day. I mean, he was casting out demons, healing the sick, you know, preaching the gospel. It was just his way of life. It was normal. We say, well, that was just Jesus. What did he say to them? He says, the disciple will be as his Lord and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely receive, freely give. Well, who's doing that you know, most American believers are just not there. Well, I would say most people don't think that demons exist anymore or that, you know, that was then, this is now. But just tell me, when did they retire? Where did they go? Did they go away? How do, <laughs> and if they did go away, why are we having all this trouble yet? So much trouble. I mean, they're in everything. They're still here. They're still, they're still working their agenda to destroy humankind and make the world safe for them. They want this earth for themselves. And, and, and they're not going to put up with anybody who is onto them. They're going to, you know, snuff them out because they don't want people to wake up. They, and this explains if you don't understand spiritual warfare and demons and devils and all that stuff, then, then nothing makes sense. I mean, why do bad things happen to good people? Because God is bad? No, because the devil hates them. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, this goes everywhere. But going back to the generational curses a little bit, 
Um, you know, we found out that after we did these, we saw the patterns. There are actual patterns of bloodline problems, and they come, and they start very young. And if the devil can, it's like it's like learning, teaching, um, uh, reconditioning something. Uh, you know, in experiments, they can recondition a dog to um, salivate at the ringing of a bell. You know, um, that isn't a natural thing for a dog to do. He's na- it's natural for him to salivate at the at the smell and the sight of meat or food. But if they can co- if they can wire the two together, the ringing of the bell and the appearance of the food, and get the dog to start to salivate then they have reconditioned the dog to do something that's not natural as they wired it with a natural response. And this is what the enemy's done. He's reconditioned us. I, I call it programmed us to, for example, he will con- connect two things at the same time. One is good, one is not good. But now they're wired together. So if he wants you to do something bad, he will just bring that stimuli in, into, into, the, you know, into your mind, into your life, and then he can get you to do the bad thing. Um, like, for example, um, sometimes people, when they're sexually abused, um, you get the sense of, especially when they're little, uh, that this, I'm getting, I'm getting attention, um, this is good because I'm getting attention, I'm loved, and at the same time, of course, you're feeling bad, violated, but, 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 you're, but he's wiring together love with abuse. And so now, when, when, when they're feeling empty, um, there's a vacuum, a love vacuum there, they want to get attention. So now they're getting set up to become victims violated again because of the, 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 the drawing into that, being drawn into that, being taught to do that, uh, or believe that that's how you get love. You get love by letting somebody abuse you. And uh, this... Just tons of ways that people are lear- learning things and trained, and because see that the, the Lord has given us uh, ways to learn things. For example, um, a, a child who's learning and they learn fast and they learn a lot and they 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 learn their language very fast when they're little. You don't have to do things many times and they can usually learn it. Like for example, if you touch your finger to a burner and it's on and it's hot, and you realize that touching that burner is hot. And that's painful. It hurts. And, hurt. and you don't have to do that 20 times to get that message. Mm-hmm. And so that's our learning ability. Now, if the devil can throw something, use our learning ability to teach us something that's not true, like I'm alone, I'm abandoned. For example, if a kid loses a parent um, at any age, there's all kinds of possible ways the devil can take that. He can pattern them. First of all, you're going to see that somebody else lost a parent in the same way generations before them. There's, uh, it's, there's nothing new. Whatever's happened, happened before. Uh, whether it's losing parents, car accidents, thyroid problems, uh, stomach issues, diabetes, um, anger, abandonment, they're always up in the bloodline. So they're coming down. So which, that's that's helpful too because we'll talk later how you get rid of them, but that's good to know. So he's always doing stuff that um, he's already done, and so he he can get by with it again and again. And and so if a child loses a parent, now some kids I've had clients who um, felt that God is mean, God is horrible. He 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 did it. He says he did it, and I'm mad at God. 
and some kids will feel like um, they must have done something bad. You know, I mean, it just depends on which way the devil introduces it to you. Does that make sense? So um, we have a lot of issues that get taught to us through our perceptions and our experiences. And so what the devil's doing is he's beginning to recreate in us the same difficulties that were in our parents, in our generations back. And sometimes we don't want to know that. We don't want to, um, we just want to, we think we're isolated. We live our own life. We don't have a lot of accountability to anybody and I can do what I want and I don't like the way the parents, my parents did things. So I'm moving on the other side of the country and I'm just going to ignore them and get out of their life. And I know people that even, even when they were abandoned as children and they were re- connected as adults many, many years later. When they met their father, they found out that they both salted their broccoli the same way. I mean, it's like, <laughs> they never learned it from each other. So, I mean, that's just one little thing, but yeah. So, is this kind of helping you a little? Am I losing you? No, no, I'm following you quite well. Um, so, let's just say somebody really doesn't know their generational history. Like if they were adopted or something like that, yeah. mm-hmm. they don't know about their parents. They don't really know about their grandparents. They don't know how anybody died or anything like that. How would you go about dealing with curses they might be suffering from? Well, the good thing is the line goes both ways. You can start up there and go down to you, or you can start with you and go back and figure it out backwards because the the, the, the principles are the same. So if I see, for example, someone um, who has a thyroid issue, let's just say, and mm-hmm. maybe thyroid can bring a lot of complications. I mean, they can bring irritability, they can bring moodiness, they can bring uh, body um, dysfunction because it's such a major, you know, um, uh, center for the exchange of information and regulation of things. And so, uh, well, you know, they may not know that their parents or mother, father, whatever, had a thyroid issue, but if they're if they have children. Um, sometimes you can watch the line from them to their children. And if they're just all by themselves, you can still know. It's just like a doctor. You go to the doctor and he has you open your mouth and he says, ah, it's a strep throat, takes the culture. Yep, strep throat. He doesn't need to know your generational bloodline or to know maybe that there was a lot of susceptibility to that sort of thing to be able to diagnose it. So once you see their situation, because of the many, many, many people he's seen before that have had strep throat, out of the, the generalization of what he's understanding, he can say he can make a pretty good diagnosis. And same here. Yeah. So if you have car accidents, you know there's car accidents, not because we you know what you happened to you, but many, many people have had this, and so it's kind of like that's how you figure that out. And um, so that's kind of how people who are adopted, you know, first of all, being adopted, number one, right off the bat, you've been abandoned. You've been left. Uh-huh. Now, maybe it was. Maybe they thought they were doing a good thing for you, and maybe they really were led by God to do it, to give you up for adoption. But the enemy is going to play it the other way. He's going to play it, you're not good enough to have those parents. They didn't want you. Um, you're, you know, basically on your own. Anybody who's adopted, anybody who's had a trauma in their birth, anybody who's, like, for example, difficult births, for example, and um, adoptions, 
those kids are going to have a demon with them who would be called this helps them survive, be strong, uh, the strong man, the familiar spirit, um, self-preservation, I don't know what you want to call it, something that's going to make them want to take control. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're not gonna trust as quickly because there, there's that defense, that wall. I'm on my own. It's up to me. On the one side of the torture rack, and on the other side of the torture rack, you're gonna have helpless, and I'm, I'm afraid. I'm terrified. So those two play together, the helpless, terrified one, with the, I've got to be strong and take care of myself. Those are two demons, and they pull this child in this torture rack and stretch him out and make him totally anxious and confused and um, difficult to live with, et cetera, et cetera. And people, for example, kids who are being born in the birth canal, stuck in the canal, or a mm-hmm. uh, long time in the in taking to be born, or things are the cords wrapped around their neck, or stuff like that, they're going to learn just by that experience, for example, that to go forward is death. Because if they're being choked every time they try to move forward, that's going to also be a pattern in their life, in their work, uh, in their um, in their jobs, in their uh, promotions. Every time they go to forward, they've, they've learned to believe the lie that it isn't going to work, um, it's going to hurt, um, I'm going to die. So a lot of those people who are, especially have a cord wrapped around their neck, of course the spirit of death was already there, um, trying to kill them off in the beginning. But, of course, the Lord said no. So they go, they, they're, but they're programmed to believe that I can't succeed. You know, it's, it's a catch-22. Every time I try to go forward, I get strangled, choked, shut off, cut off. And so those kind of people, to get broke free of that lie, are going to have to recognize what that lie is and then cancel it out. And the way that happens is through the revelation of Jesus Christ, because he is the faithful witness. He sees what the devil is trying to do in their lives. I think a lot of the kids who are being now born with um, autism, are, and, and they're very, very super controlling there was some trauma going on in their, in their nine months of gestation. Um, something wasn't right. Uh, and so they're coming out very, you know, I've got to have everything just so, and everything's lined up in a row, and everything's going to be perfectly in order, or I can't handle it. You know, I mean, it's like very super, super demanding, super controlling. And then, of course, mm-hmm. sometimes they, they don't speak, and they don't know how it's just... That could be a deaf and dumb spirit, like we talked a couple of weeks ago. There's just so, so incredibly so many things that affect every single soul that's born in different ways, but always from the wicked one trying to cut off or snuff out their life. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, um, you're figuring out, okay, I have this going on in my life, what steps does, does somebody need to do to, you know, not have that operate anymore? Is it, is it finding the lies? Is it finding um, the curse? I mean, what what exactly would somebody do? I mean, let's you could go back to the car accident. How would you get rid of having car accidents? Well, okay, good. Well, first of all, you'd have to recognize that the demons behind that are death, accidents, assaults, injuries. And you're going to ask the Lord to ask to show you what lies you're agreeing with that have to do with death, that have to do with fear or not wanting to live or trouble or hardness, things being hard or difficult. Um, and, and so the Lord knows what they are. 
So, like, this is what we do all the time in counseling. I mean, we don't just we don't just talk about things in counseling. We actually ask the Lord Jesus to, as the faithful witness, to come and show them what's going on. It's a pretty unique way to do this, but uh, it's the only way that works, as far as I'm concerned. And so, I don't I don't uh, guide them in thinking about their past. We don't go through every little moment of their life. We just ask the Lord to take them to the original place where they first believe the lie that the spirit of accident, assault, injury, or car accidents or death is using to get them to believe that lie. Where did they first sign up or agree with that lie? So, Okay. And so Jesus will take them back as the wonderful counselor and the faithful witness, take them back to the original place where he wants them to realize that at that moment they were being conditioned. They were being set up. They were being approached by the enemy to come into the agreement with the lie that their ancestors have already agreed to. Because the devil cannot technically do anything to us until he gets us to agree with the lie ourselves. Although he's got that specific lie he can work with because he's already got permission from the generations. But he, he, the Bible says, um, whom you yield yourself servant to obey his slave you become. So the devil is got to get you specifically okay with okay it or agree with it so and for example he might set up sometimes the lord will take people back to the original car accident you know and and then what we do is we say okay go to that memory where the lord is showing you that memory is a place in time it's time and it's space it's a memory but it's a place in time where something happened to you and it's an important place because the Spirit of God has marked it as a place where we need to go back and get something fixed. You know, sometimes people have things that they, it, they, they're kind of always in the back of their mind or they come to them every once in a while or a memory they have and they can't quite figure it out and it seems like it's just kind of they, they remember it but they don't know what they remember about it or why they remember it. A lot of those are memories that have something in them that need to be dealt with and God kind of marks them, red flags them, so to speak, so that they'll go back and... Um, with the Holy Spirit later. So when you go back to the memory, the first thing we ask you to do is to feel the feelings. When you start feeling the feelings, you can start finding the lies. And I hope that people, if you're listening, um, that you understand that you can do some of these things without a counselor. Uh, some of them, however, are pretty blocked out and you will definitely need. It's like going to a doctor to get your sliver taken out. Well, some of the slivers you can probably take out yourself, but you probably can't remove a tumor from your you know, stomach yourself. You might need a little help on the more difficult right. ones. But So when you go back to the memory, you start to feel the feelings to find the lies. So you're feeling what? What are you feeling in that memory? Well, maybe you don't have much. Maybe you just remember a little bit of it. Well, then we ask the Lord to remove the, the enemy who is trying to block it, hold it, hide it, keep it secret, and let you then um, explore with the feeling, okay, I was afraid. I was scared. Um, I, you know, got rear-ended. Um, I, I blacked. I blanked out, or I blacked out, or I was scared. I got hurt. I was afraid. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever you know are, are the things that are right there in that memory, because those are the items. Those are the issues. Those are the things Satan will use to get an agreement with you. For example, um, sometimes when people have pain after they've had a car accident 16 years ago and they're still in pain, well, I'd say then at that, that point, that's not pain that's healing or doing any good. That's bad pain. God has good pain. The devil has bad pain. And you're in this pain for 16 years because you had a car accident 16 years ago. But the lie is 
I, I'm, I'm afraid or I heard something or, oh, no, or, you know, this is going to change my life or um, something bad happened. Those are, those are agreements. And what actually is happening is the enemy is putting in your mind that idea, uh-oh, something really bad just happened. Something bad happened. Oh, no, what am I? I'll never be the same. Oh, no, this is changing my life. Oh, I'm scared, whatever. And the minute that thing goes into your mind, if you don't reject it, and you won't because, of course, you're busy being in an accident right then. Yeah, right. So you're kind of busy doing other things. You say, oh, no, this is the devil. No, no I'm, I'm going to rebuke that. You don't. And so you get caught, and he's such a cheater. So he's got you nailed, thinking you're believing this lie and giving him permission to bring this pain on as a perpetual kind of punishment or judgment because you already agreed. Um, this is this is really bad, you know. This is mm-hmm. really bad. So some, I heard something, or something really bad happened, or some I hurt myself really bad, or something, whatever it is. And and so those are the lies that Jesus will help us find, and then we'll say, well, Lord, you were right there, correct? And of course he was, he was right there. And so he said, well, what did you want to say, Lord? What's the truth? You wanted to tell me when the devil was trying to, you know, feed me his lie. What did you want to say? And um, then he'll tell you what, whatever it is, you're okay. Or um, do you have to have that spirit of pain or that pain? No. By that time, pain is for sure a demon. And his lie, the lie, I know, I know people think pain is not a demon because why? Why would they think pain is not a demon? What would you say? Because I have it. I mean, it's, yeah. everybody has pain. Right, especially as you get older, you have to have more pain, right? Pain right. is normal, pain, pain is common. I'm yeah, human, everybody right. has pain. So those are, the, those are the standard lies that Satan uses to stay there. Because people do not think of pain as a demon. They don't think of rebuking it. They think of reaching for a Tylenol, an aspirin, or this or that. And, I, and I'm not, right. I'm not saying that God hasn't given us gifts. Aspirin sometimes do help, you know, because there's also a biological piece to it, but or, or whatever. You know, I'm not saying don't use your whatever pain thing God's given you or, you know, but I'm saying let's, if there's a demon there, let's not just medicate and mask what's the root of this thing, you know. Yeah, especially if it's ongoing. Yeah, and so... You cancel out that lie once the Lord shows you you're okay, and I was there, and can he heal it? Yes. Does he want to heal it? Yes. When? Now? Okay. Then do it. And then spirit of pain, you can't be there anymore just because you use the agree- the argument that you can be there because you are there, and you are there because you can be there, which is a bunch of circular reasoning. You just tell the spirit of pain, you, you know, you're cut off by the sword of God's word, which is able to separate even to the dividing of bone and marrow, thought and intention, soul, and spirit. And so I know people don't do their life like this. No, no, not very often. Now I'm going to play just a small devil's advocate here. Sure, go for it. So, so if, you know, you're back in that spot and you're asking Jesus if he was there, I am sure there are many people that are going to be going, then why didn't you stop it, Jesus? Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, of course, there are lots of people. And, of course, the devil's right there putting that in their mouth. In their mind, I should say, if, and mouth. If, if, you, if God is so good, why didn't he stop it? Um, and so I just put Jesus himself on the witness stand. I say, okay, Lord, you answer the question for them. You know, you give them the answer. And he'll bring it to their understanding. And the understanding is basically that 
he permitted it because he had to, because they believed the lie, because the generational doors were open and the devil had a lot of evidence uh, against them. And the Lord is now here to sanctify them, clean the house, cancel out these agreements, bring them to repentance, cause them to confess the sins of their fathers, get cleaned up so they can live an abundant life. You know, so Jesus so wasn't... Well, I was going to say, what you're saying is, is God actually plays fair. Oh, yeah. God does play fair. And he kept you alive. The devil was petitioning for your death. And God said no. So, I mean, and it, it is unfortunate that the devil is able, even though he can't kill us, he can do so many things to our life to just defeat us and uh, deplete us and steal from us our life, our fruitfulness, our vitality, our dreams just because I mean even though he can't kill us he can make us so worthless <laughs> that mm-hmm. it's like we hate our own lives right and then it's not an abundant life you know it's not the life Jesus died to give you it's you're just coping you're not living thriving you're just coping and trying to survive and then you get the t-shirt, t-shirt I survived and um, <laughs> Jesus doesn't want us to survive he wants us to to live life abundantly. So, hey, it's already 8 o'clock, and we haven't had a wow. single caller. I think people are so busy listening, or maybe they're going to listen tomorrow and they can't call. <laughs> that can um, be. But let's do a break. Let's do a, a quick okay. couple of commercials, and then um, we'll tell you a little bit about things that are coming up this weekend. Uh, let's do, I'll do the commercial on Diagnosing okay. Your Family Tree, which is pretty appropriate um, let me read some of the things out of the table of contents. This is a new book I just wrote uh, called Diagnosing Your Family Tree. And it's, it covers a lot of things. It covers the understanding the rules that govern spiritual warfare um, it, and under, identifying the specific patterns of bondage in, and hardship in your, particular, in your life, um, the lies behind those patterns. It helps you to do a geneogram. And then we move into a place of understanding the um, how the enemy has gotten us all uh, on the charges of legalism and you know substituting law for grace, especially in the New Testament. And so we're helping people to understand the curses that come. There are specific curses for specific sins, uh, and this one is the sin of stupor. You know, the curse of mixing and mingling law and grace. Uh, works and grace brings a, a spirit of stupor and it also brings a snare to your table and I think that has to do with a lot of health and eating issues um, it has it brings depression and anxiety uh, this is all in Romans chapter 11 verses 1 through 11 and then we've got a chapter in there on recognizing household curses and cursed objects and I think we can talk about that after the break that's kind of interesting um, and then recognizing the judgments that come upon us because we have rejected the gospel of grace and substituted for it the gospel of guilt, good works, um, give up and get mad. Um, so these kinds of the counseling. And then we have prayers in that book. Doing business on our behalf, praying for others, forgiving, identifying the steps to freedom, et cetera, et cetera. So this is an awesome book, uh, Diagnosing a Family Tree, and it's available at liferecovery.com. Uh, just go to the store and check it out. Uh, I think we're going to have um, PDFs soon. I know we have the actual hardcover 
uh, manual with available now. So it'd be great for you to be able to grab a hold of that. So um, let me tell you, too, about a workshop we're going to have on Saturday. If you live in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, continent of the United States of America, if you're listening over in Australia or whatever, um, Rogers, Minnesota, we're going to be at the Holiday Inn on Saturday, May 17th. Uh, from 10 o'clock to about 4 o'clock. We're going to be talking about diagnosing your family tree, generational histories, generational curses, and especially the curses of Freemasonry. And we'll get to that in the second half of the show, a little bit about specific lies and specific things that happen to people when they do certain things. So um, with that, uh, how about, Des, do you want to run another commercial real quick? Sure, why not? Okay, thanks. Life Recovery offers a wide variety of books, teaching manuals, CDs, and DVDs, all designed to expose Satan's lies and equip believers with the powerful weapons of spiritual warfare. Hey, are we back already? <laughs> Sorry, I can run another one if you'd like. <laughs> yes, I hope you're getting. I, I hope you're not getting too lost in this conversation. So many times when we're doing a radio show, it's like we we travel pretty far, pretty fast, in a lot of different ways, saying things, and we. I hope we're not losing people. Um, seems though a lot of people are downloading our stuff and listening, and hopefully it's helpful. Um, yes, a total of 777 listens. All right, and we've been at this since about March 9th or 10th or 11th or something, so it's not been that long. Yeah, yes, something like um, that. Really seriously, people, it is so time to get up or wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, and do something with your life. <laughs> Jesus is coming back, and you're going to be so happy if you woke up before he got here and realize what's really going on. And if you see that in your own life, in your church, in your life as a drag, it's not going anywhere fast, it's, it's not going where you want it to go, um, you don't like it, it doesn't seem like the gospel you're using is working, why don't you check out... Not to be mean, but check out what Jesus said. Just go read the Bible. And I know that sounds very trite and simple, but take off your religious glasses, your denominational perspectives, your theologies, toss them to the side, and just read the words. Just be okay with reading the words and, and know that the Holy Spirit is going to teach you himself. You don't have to have a theology degree or an MDiv to be able to understand the Word of God. Um, as a matter of fact, I think he prefers you don't have one. Because um, a lot of people who've got that stuff got to unlearn a lot of stuff. Let me tell you. Yes. yes uh, okay. They do. So please do me a favor. Do us a favor. Call in. Uh, you can be anonymous. Have a question. Challenge us. Uh, help us to um, explain this for you. The number is three four seven two one five eight zero five one. Okay. Three four seven two one five eight zero five one. Um, we just want to help you. We just want to make sure that you're, you know, getting your questions answered. So, all right. All right. Well, I have one that kind of piqued my interest when you're talking about uh, accursed objects. Um, does that mean like a particular object that I have, or does that even include a haunted house? Oh, yeah. Houses can be haunted. Houses can be cursed. Um, for example, different a house that's haunted is a house that has a spirit living in it or several spirits. And they have a claim there. They have a right to be there, they think, because maybe somebody died in the house or maybe somebody practiced witchcraft in the house or drew a pentagram on the floor or whatever they did. Or maybe the land 
what's dedicated, maybe it's sacred land. I know some places where actually um, there was witchcraft covens, human sacrifices done on the land, and so those spirits are very familiar with that, and they still claim that as their own because it was given to them, dedicated to them. And so these places are very difficult for human beings to live in because um, there's always this interference with the spirits. And some people think it's fun to go see ghosts and chase them here and there. I don't particularly relish the idea of any kind of ghosts and messing with my stuff. You know what I'm saying? And if you are the owner of the house, you bought and paid for it, um, or even if you're renting it, you're paying the rent, you have a right to be there, and you don't have to put up with their stuff if you don't want to. Unless their claim is pretty deep and it goes beyond what you have a right to um, to, claim, to cancel. A lot of people will anoint the doors, they'll go through their house, they'll send these spirits out and stuff like that. But if they're not living right, the devils will come right back in pretty much because they just think it's a big joke. Um, and, you know, you have to put your foot down, take your authority and really understand that you do have an authority to tell these spirits to go. Um, you might have to do some confessing. You might have to do some forgiving. You might have to uh, ask God to forgive the people who did what they did on that property before you got there. Uh, bring that crime before the court of heaven and ask God to cleanse the land. Um, I think, well, I'll just give you an example. When we moved here, this this property, um, uh, it was originally homesteaded by a family and way back in, the, I don't know when, you know, whenever they were doing all their homesteading back here. And they had seven kids, and um, I, I heard that three or four of them died in infancy. And actually, believe it or not, they died in this very exact room where I am sitting, probably in this very spot where the bed was, where the children were dying. And when we got here, some of the more sensitive people said, ooh, that's an icky room. I don't like that room. It's dark. It gives me the creeps. I don't want to go in there, blah, 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 blah. And so um, I just, I wasn't really scared. I wasn't thinking they were lying to me, so and I knew a little bit about the history, so we just went after the spirit of death. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the first at first, when I was sitting here, like when we first got here, and we hadn't yet done that, I did feel something heavy, dark, weird, kind of not, kind of something that would give you the eebie-jeebies. But I just mm-hmm. demanded it to be absolutely this place is ours. We bought and paid for it. You don't have any right to be here anymore, spirit of death. And, and there was also some other curses on this place. One had to do with water. And everything we tried to do, all the, the everything that had to do with water went wrong. Whether you're oh. trying to set the toilet or the well blew up and broke. Six times. Yeah. But anyway, I know. we found out they did a lot of water witching here. So um, that curse uh, confessed it as a sin. Um, so that's what can happen. I, I met a girl one time. She was freaked out. Um, because there had her, her place was really weirded out. There was really heavy-duty witchcraft going on there. Vehicles would run into the walls when they were parked, and the, the sides of the buildings, and uh, there was nobody there. And uh, just and found out that that place was a um, uh, ancient uh, ritual site, and that the witches were actually still using it. It was, I think, it was an active site actually. Um, and so you, at that point, you're going to have to decide, do I want to move? Is it worth staying? If it's worth staying, am I worth, I have to live right to get rid of this? Because this is spiritual. Uh, the, the enemy claims property and territory stuff. And so, you know, mm-hmm. you have to fight them. The other way houses can be cursed 
is through, um, like, for example, when they get rotten, termites, mold, uh, mildew in the timbers, that sort of thing. And that comes from, um, the curse there comes from Zachariah or Zachariah. I've got to look it up. Hold on. I never keep those. The mold in your house can be a curse. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you've got to break the curse. Here's the, 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 the deal behind it is Zechariah chapter 5. This is an example um, of how curses are connected with specific sins. Um, this is Zechariah chapter 5, verse 4. I will send out the curse, says the Lord of hosts. It shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It shall remain in the midst of his house and consume it with its timbers and stones. Well, whatever that curse is that can consume timbers and stones could be fire, it could be mildew, it could be rot, it could be termites. Because of the thief and the one who falls, swears, falls, um, falsely swears by my name or tells lies, you know. So what we have to do if you're living in a house like that, if you're not the person who did it, you still have to go back and say, okay, God, whoever did that and has put my house in jeopardy and this mm-hmm. the spirit is operating here, I am forgiving that person and I'm turning the crimes they committed against themselves, against you, Lord God, against each other and the enemy, the demons behind these crimes, I'm turning them all over to you, Lord God, that um, you will judge this thing with righteousness and you will restore to my house cleansing, healing, mercy. Um, so th- that's just an example. So houses can be cursed that way too. But you would ask a question too about a cursed object. Um, yeah. Have you ever had a cursed object or something that you figured out wasn't a cursed object? Not that I can think of personally, but the whole thing makes me think of the movie Christine where the 57 Chevy was possessed. <laughs> Well, I didn't see the movie. Tell me a little more. It sounds kind of interesting. Uh, no, How you, you, you wouldn't want to see it. But again, it, you know, it was an object. It was, it was cursed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that was a movie. So you're telling me in real life I can have an object that's cursed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you can. Um, for example, let's just say a lot of people travel. They go to countries where there's a, there's a lot of witchcraft, voodoo, uh, a lot of those objects, masks. Um, uh, little oh, statues, yeah. dolls, little things. They bring them back as curiosities or keepsakes or you know souvenirs, or whatever. And those things are specifically prayed over by the people who make them to bring a curse to the owner. And because you buy it, you get the curse. The curse comes with the object. Um, that's really weird. I know that actually happened to our children. They went to. Um, on their on their um, honeymoon, they actually went to uh, Jamaica, and they picked up this. They, my our daughter was into um, collecting elephants, and they mm-hmm. found a really nice elephant over there. It was a wood carved, dark wood, beautiful. It was about maybe a foot and a half tall, maybe a foot and a half long. It's a very pretty big elephant, and they mm-hmm. were going to bring it home, you know, as part of their you know keepsake collection. Yeah. Well, well, by the time they got it back to their house. Uh, their hotel, I should say, within four hours of the time they got that thing, um, her new husband was struck deathly ill. And it wasn't that they'd eaten the wrong food because they stayed right in the hotel and they had, you know, they were aware of all the food rules and stuff like that. 
they got so sick that they had to come back here. Well, it was so bad that I started seeking the Lord. What is this? And I read a book uh, by by Joanna Michelson called, um, I think it's called something about the cursed objects or something, or how to break the curses or something like that. And it, it and so I I asked our daughter. I said, Well, where did you get this thing? And she says the first words out of her mouth, Oh, mom, you wouldn't have liked that place. It was really creepy. It was really gross and, you know, a lot of perverted things in there, but they found nails and they thought that was fine. So, and then it was interesting because I found a scripture that the Lord directed me to in Ezekiel. Um, I can't find it right now, but it, it described exactly what was happening and what had happened. You know, that there was going to be a, it was a perverted place. And what was happening as a result of the curse was they were getting sick and losing their, um, uh, their, their in- ability to earn an income. And so I said to her, I said, I think that elephant is cursed. And I said, why don't you bring it here? So, so she got it out of her house, brought it to us. We were burning cursed objects in those days, but now we couldn't burn this one yet because it was so big. So we had to hold on until we could get a fire permit, believe it or not. So the, the, the couple, three days while we were doing this, waiting for this permit, um, they got worse. They got worse. So the demon really wow. didn't leave them. It was still messing with them, even though the object was far from them at that point. And, um, but we chopped it up. We couldn't burn it right away, so we just started chopping it up into firewood. But, mm-hmm. And right away, um, she started feeling better. She didn't know we were chopping it up. And um, I called her and just kind of unhonestly, I said, well, how are you doing today? And, oh, feeling better. I said, well, what time did you start feeling better? Oh, this morning. Yeah, well, that was about the time that we were chopping up the elephant. And then after they burned it that day, it was Saturday, and um, and it was quite an interesting little deal. Uh, the, uh, one of the guys in our church, one of the deacons, he's from, he's a Spanish guy, and he's very uh, sensitive in the spirit. And, and we burned the elephant that day and didn't tell our kids yet that we had done it. And um, we told him, and he says... Um, well, he says there's a there's a big demon heading their way, heading their way, and um, they're in danger. Oh, wow. And uh, so I don't know if that was true or not, but we called him right away, and we got uh, another believer to go over there and pray with them to send that demon back to hell, and they were fine. And after that, things got better. Um, you know, I mean, it's just like, but of course, there's many. There's no. You know, one thing, you get rid of one thing, and then there's probably another thing the devil tries to do to you. So it's kind of an ongoing deal of just walking through this junk and getting rid of it. Um, so, yeah, there are cursed objects. A lot of times people go antiquing, and they and they buy old things. They bring other people's junk in their house. God only knows what happened to it, what, what it was used for. Uh, same thing with jewelry. Old jewelry, old rings, people's stuff. Uh-uh, no, I would not do that. And then if you have brought something back yourself, um, let's see, I, I had so many stories of people who've done so. They brought, this one uh, couple had brought, brought these two pictures back from, um, I think it was Japan or something like that, and they were something about geisha girls. I don't know what they were. But they started experiencing so much poverty when they got ah. those pictures back to the house. And um, the Lord showed them what it was and what it meant, what those pictures exactly meant, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And um, they just 
burned them. You've got to get rid of the things. The best way to do it is to burn them, to burn the accursed objects. Because, like, remember in um, when Achan had stolen the Babylonian garment and the wedge of gold in the when he was in the battles that Joshua was fighting over the AI, the little town of AI after the Battle of Jericho, and so Achan uh-huh. had stolen. Um, these things that God said, don't touch those things, don't take any of that stuff. Well, he buried two of those things in his tent. And um, when he did that, the, they, they lost the battle. I mean, it was a little town. They just had taken Jericho, which was a big town, had no problem with it. And now they're fighting AI and get defeated. And 36 guys died. And Josh says, okay, what's going on here? This wasn't supposed to happen like this. So he knew something had happened. And sure enough, God showed him who had taken what. I mean, it was so, like, they picked the right guy, the right family, the right name, and then he confessed that he had taken and hid this stuff in his, in his tent. So the disobedience had opened the door to the curse, and everybody was suffering as a result of it. So a lot of, and you know that even bloodshed in the ground cries out for justice. So if you're living in a place where there was a lot of bloodshed, maybe it's part of a battlefield, um, Indian burial grounds, uh, massacre, massacres. There's, there's going to be stuff going on there. And if you dig up graves, especially Indian mounds and graves like that, you are stirring up spirits. And the, the Native American spirits are pretty, pretty powerful. So, you know. So I don't know if they're really messing with. They just kind of want to be cool and ignorant at the same time. Mm-hmm. So my staring over there, my yeah, it makes me never want to buy a souvenir again. <laughs> just kidding. Well, oh. you can tell a lot of times if you look at it and just ask the Lord, is this yeah. okay? And then sometimes okay. if you have something that you might think has, uh, see what happens is when they put a, when the when the devil or the people put a curse on an object, that gives the devil permission to use that as, an, as a landing strip. So you have this object in your home, and the devil says, oh, that, that uh, bookend belongs to me. So he can fly right in and sit on the bookend, whatever, and from there do whatever he can do. Maybe he can do a little, maybe he can do a lot, whatever, who knows. But, um, you know, and this doesn't mean we have to be fearful and superstitious. This just means we're aware and be holy. We're called to be holy people, And holy people means we're not mixing with the world. We're not mixing with their superstitions. We're not mixing with their lies. We're not mixing with their gods. We're not mixing with their idols. And the more pure you are about that, the more power you have and the more safety you have in God because God defended his people when they were walking with him. So um, if you think you have an object that you, you know, you really love, you don't want to get rid of it, then I would say pray over it. And ask the Lord if you can just rededicate it to, your, to, to him and then command any spirit on it to go away. Sometimes that might work. But if it's like this particular one, we were to, it's not worth it. Just get rid of it. You know, yeah. you can live with it. Yeah, I'd rather have my health than a little mm-hmm. statue. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's a cursed object. There's a cursed... And how do you break those things? Is basically uh, cancel out the agreement repent, um, ask the Lord to show you what it is and um, command it to leave. I, I think that's kind of how it, each each thing is a little different. So if anybody wants to call in with anything, that's pretty simple. We can work with them a little bit. Um, 
So how's your question? How are you doing over there? I'm <laughs> doing good. Um, you know, I was wondering if, you know, we can maybe go over some of the lies that are behind some of the curses that would maybe, you know, help some people if they're, okay. they're like, well, I have this going on in my life, so what would the lie be that I'm believing? Because I think the devil's very good at keeping that hidden from people so they can't get to the bottom of, you know, breaking these curses, and therefore you just keep going around in a circle. Yeah, yeah. that's really true. Um, like, for example, uh, in the book, Diagnosing a Family Tree, um, we have a whole chapter on questions that I ask people, and that'll help you to identify the patterns. And a lot of them have to do with, you know, calamities, fire, theft, uh, crop failure, um, being cheated out of inheritances, um, accidents, loss, um, being persecuted, being lied about, accused, frame set up. Um, a lot of people suffer from injustices and unfair settlements and lawsuits and things like that. Um, untimely death, um, and all these things. And you know, and then you have the health issues. You know, you have circulatory problems, you have respiratory, you have endocrine problems, you have stomach problems, all these things. All these things come from lies, specific lies. And they can, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 27, it, it talks about, if you will obey me, then I will bless you. 28 also, if you disobey me, then these are the curses that will come upon you. And so some of them are specific, mm-hmm. like, for example, the insanity, madness, uh, mental confusion all come out of pretty much, I think, out of sexual abuse, trying to be quiet, keep the secret, not know what happened, disassociate, disconnect, um, deny. And so you have a lot of the, 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 you know, obsessive compulsive kind of comes out of that, too. I know a lot of people who are, um, for example, maybe three generations ago, there's a spirit of guilt, shame uncleanness because somebody was sexually assaulted, there's a secret, nobody can say anything. So what happens is they um, they begin to be obsessive in washing. They wash or they scrub their floor all the time or they got their house totally clean all the time or they're just kind of obsessed by cleaning or something like that. Um, and a lot of these obsessions then come down into the next bloodline. It's marked on the DNA and you already got the demonic agreement and the, the secret was kept for the next generation. You don't know what's going on, but now you're troubled with the same freak out over unclean things, being dirty, um, feeling germy, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And so the devil says, well, here's what you got to do to feel better. And so he gives you a tiny solution. It maybe lasts for five minutes, you know, washing your hands or, you know, straightening up the pile of books or whatever it is you're doing. And then... Um, it comes right back. It's like smoking a cigarette. You get five seconds or less of relief. And so you're being conditioned to believe smoking equals freedom from anxiety. So then you smoke because you're nervous. That makes you nervous. And then he causes you to smoke. And then you get addicted. And then you hate it. And then you try to quit. And then you get frustrated because you can't quit. And then you're tight, tight all up. But anyway, so you've got a lot of things that come from the other stomach problems, like I said, nervous problems, brain situations. And so... Um, what we want to do is look for the lies and look for the agreements that were made in the generations before us. So if you know that grandma was sexually abused, for example, um, you want to forgive the people who abused her. Uh, you want to confess and turn the crime over to God. You want to Forgiving means that you're releasing that person or persons from your judgment and you're turning the crimes over to heaven. And then... Um, you ask God for uh, restoration of your life. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so um, let's go with some specific diseases, or I'll give you some specific kind of put-it-together kinds of things. Um, and, of course, there's no way you can cover all of this. That's why each individual does well to do their own life. You know, I can't cover everybody's possible scenarios. Oh, those are, right. there's a lot. That's why you buy the book. Yeah, that's why you buy the book. Um, okay, so, for example... Loss of inheritances or being cheated out of rightful inheritances. And I think this is a big deal right now. The devil does not want the people of God to come into an inheritance or to get their inheritance. And I've had so many clients lately, you know, their parents are passing away and, and there's been an injustice and they've lost their inheritance or they're being cheated out of it or something is being done to keep them from getting it because... I don't think the devil wants the believers to have what's rightfully theirs to have. And God, of course, is wanting us to have an inheritance and a blessing. And it is a blessing to be able to pass one down to your family, to your children. So um, some of the reasons behind a loss of inheritance, for example, can be rejecting of one's own children or children being rejected in the generational bloodlines, um, previous generations losing their inheritances, um, through feuding, fighting, jealousy, greed, whatever. Um, parents also refusing to bless their children uh, in the generations before you. And so this comes down to you as a lack of blessing or a loss of blessing. Or this, the practices of favoritism in families. A lot of times families will prefer the boys over the girls or whatever. And in the olden days, you know, the oldest mm-hmm. son got everything and the, the girls got nothing. And that's not right. I mean, that's not, God would not consider that fair. It's not just. In the Old Testament, I know the oldest son got the inheritance, the birthright, and all that stuff, but that was the Old Testament, and that was for a purpose to continue to make sure that the, um, the land and the, the promise would go down for sure to the bloodline. And sometimes, um, well, that, but then there was one family, they had four girls, and God, they went to Moses, and Moses says, no, the four girls should inherit the birthright, the, the land, because they're the seed of this man and so um god isn't he's not sexist <laughs> that's good yeah, that's very good and sometimes for loss of inheritance there can be jealousy infidelity uh even in providing for one's own family there can be cheating greed all of these things these are open doors that the enemy uses to come down and strike at you or your family betrayal stubbornness strife selfishness hoarding um, stingy hoarding comes when people are afraid that they don't have enough or won't have enough and they're fearful they, they've got to take care of themselves stinginess um, when you're stingy you know he that sows sparingly will reap sparingly so you've got a curse right there um, failing to honor God in your finances in other words there's you're not you know offering God the first fruits of anything taking it all for yourself um, contention pride family conflict, division, swindling others. If, you're, if your family bloodline was cheating others, the devil's going to feel completely justified in cheating you. Um, and whether your people were bootlegging or uh, not paying their taxes or whatever it is, it seems like the devil's nitpicking, but he can find whatever he can find to build his case. And if you don't know what he's doing or saying, it's pretty hard to defend yourself. So you ask God, search your heart, so show you what's going on. And the Holy Spirit's faithful. He'll bring it to you. Um, another thing for loss of inheritance can be um, breaking promises, um, 
keeping, you know, not keeping your word, removing landmarks. This is an interesting one in um, the, uh, uh, let's see, Deuteronomy 27. It says removing the ancient landmarks. I think that has to do with fence lines. It has to do with boundaries. And people can sometimes cheat, you know, they're trying to um, get something that's not theirs by moving a landmark or moving a fence line. And, of course, when you're trying to steal from someone like that, then guess what? You're going to be stolen from and you lose your inheritance that's getting stolen from. And so um, you got, there's a lot of things just around, and uh, let's see, um, lying, unloving spirits. Another thing for loss of inheritance is feeling guilty or feeling unworthy of receiving. Um, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve. And so uh, guilt unworthy of blessing, spirits of poverty. A lot of these things also can come through Freemasonry. We haven't even talked much about that tonight. That's one of our main topics on Saturday. But um, they do take curses. They take oaths. In Freemasonry, what they do is they will make the initiate, to, initiate come in and, and declare a, a hideous oath, like have my throat slit from ear to ear, have my tongue cut out, or have my bowels ripped out of my belly. Each, each degree has another oath. And Jesus said, don't make oaths. But what you do is in this thing is you give an oath. And what that means is you're going to give the devil ahead of time. You're giving him permission to do this to you if you break your promise and divulge the secret of this secret society. So you're actually getting blackmailed by the words of your own mouth that you're, you're going to, you know, um, keep the secrets. And so if you don't keep the secrets, then they have the devil. You've just given him permission to do all these hideous things to you. Plus, they not only do they take oaths, but they also do symbolic uh, rituals, dedications. They wear certain things. They put certain things on. They put the noose around their neck, which messes with their neck, their thyroid, their swallowing, their breathing problems. They put blindfolds around their eyes, which messes with their vision, vision and ability to see and understand and perceive things. The hoodwink mixes and mingles truth and errors. They can't discern, you know, truth from a lie. Um, so they're putting all these things on. They're coming, everything. And, you know, you think, well, that's nothing. That's just stupid. Well, the devil mm-hmm. don't think it's but the devil takes every little bit he can take, anything he can even claim that you've agreed with. And if you, you know, I mean, he can lay a symptom on you and you agree, oh, no, you know, my elbow hurts. Well, mm-hmm. what if it's just devil pinching your elbow? You're, there's nothing wrong with your elbow. But he gets you to, you know, feel the pain and then you say, oh, no, oh, no, I must have arthritis in my elbow. And you run to the doctor or whatever. And the poor doctor just listens to your report and says, well, yeah, sounds like it gives you, runs you a test. Say, well. Well, I can't see. Maybe you can see something there. Maybe she can't. You know, devils don't show up on x-ray. So especially if you've gone to the doctor and they can't really find the arthritis or the, the blood report doesn't prove anything, then you probably got a demon because demons don't show up on x-rays and they don't usually show up on blood analysis either. So um, so we just got to be aware. I know people think this is stupid beyond. Listen, I'll tell you what. I don't consider myself superstitious. I don't consider myself um, off the, uh, going off the deep end. I've watched this thing for 20 years. I see what happens. It's always being confirmed and re-instantiated in the lives of people. I've worked with thousands and thousands of people, and it's always it always rings true. It, it's always working. It always we find something. It it makes things better. It changes things. Um, I can't say every single person that's ever come to me has gotten free, um, but if I would tell you that, I'd be a liar because some of them 
they are well everybody is free already but they don't really realize it so they go back to their lives and whatnot because jesus said whom the sun sets free is free so basically we were all freed 2014 some years ago depending on what calendar you use but anyway over 2000 years now ago that we were set free so um i think there's a big problem with people feeling not deserving um for example in the car accidents we have other types of accidents too we can have uh Injuries, falls, a lot of people are falling, break their hips, and that seems to be the end of them. Um, so there's there's accidents, assaults, and injuries. These are demons that push people down. And I know they do this because how many times have you fallen and you just, there was no reason for you to fall? You didn't slip on a banana peeling. There was nothing there, and all of a sudden you just pushed. And you're, I mean, it's just. I fell going up the stairs. You fell, you fell going up the stairs? Okay, well, that sounds like a push to me. <laughs> Unless you're really, really, no. I mean, it, it is. Yeah. But so, so um, you can have uh, farm accidents, too, of course, and things like that. But loss of limbs, um, patterns of accidents are flowing from one generation. You find agreements with things like fear of death, self-injury, self-destruction, self-bitterness, self-hatred. I don't deserve to live. I'm bad. Mental confusion, clumsiness, dizziness, misperceptions, distractions. Being hasty and rash, impulsive, especially in words and decisions, reckless, um, feeling driven, uh, feeling like you don't deserve, and fear of having an accident. So these are just a few of the lies or uh, thoughts that can come, patterns that can come to the bloodline for accidents. Is there one you want to pick out specifically, Dad? A specific uh, type of problem. Oh. But what I was just going to go back quick to when you were talking about the, the Freemasons. So they have you do all these oaths, and they want you to keep the secret. Well, let's just say you did keep the secret. Mm-hmm. And then you died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had a wife and kids, and they had no idea what you did. Right. How can they keep those oaths? They can't. So wouldn't they then start suffering all that stuff? Absolutely. The minute that a Christian turns from darkness and turns towards the Lord, all of the agreements that have been made on their behalf become now what the devil can use against them to bring trouble in their life. And especially these kinds of oaths that are very high powered. Um, And so many kids who are offspring of Masons, and it doesn't matter if they're in the first degree went to one meeting. If you go to one meeting, they consider you've joined. And so basically they, they get you. And um, so don't realize that. And a lot of kids don't realize that until maybe they see their grandfather or something being buried as, as a Freemason, you know, whatever ceremonies around attending the funeral or whatever. Um, so, but, but you, you are now breaking the oath. And because you are breaking the oath and because you're the offspring of those people, those oaths the devil thinks he has a right to bring down and um, can inflict upon you the consequences of those oaths. So um, a lot of believers are coming out of a big, messy thing, a lot of demonic programming that they don't even realize. And because they're not well prepared in the, pe- the people who are leading him to the Lord are just making him think everything's going to be wonderful, wonderful now. They don't tell him that this is the fight for your life right now. Now, it's not that you are not saved. It's just that this part of your life is, are you going to be able to get back um, the peace, the freedom, the joy, the hope, the life, the vision, 
the blessing, the prosperity. It, it's all yours in Christ, but now the devil's going to contend it, can contend with you or contest it. And so now becomes the fighting, the good fight of faith. And, and a lot of believers, um, because they, they're so naive, they think, well, it should all be done and I should be just clear sailing. And then when they're not, it doesn't go well, they say, well, then they lose their faith because they say, well, if God is so good, then why is he letting all this bad stuff happen? Well, he's letting it happen because he has to. God has a perfect will. He has a permissive will. And we have a free will. And the devil has a will, too. His will is to destroy. And if we don't understand it, of course God is going to preserve us in the end. Uh, but you can have a miserable time between now and the end if you don't walk in the place of blessing. So I really encourage people to renounce the, you know, the idolatry. People don't think, well, we didn't practice idolatry. We never bowed down to a golden calf. But almost everybody's practicing in America the idolatry of self. Um, I want what I want when I want it. It's mine. Um, you know, don't mess with my stuff. Um, you don't have a right. Um, I have my rights. Um, how dare you? We're just very um, into ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so this is practicing idolatry because Christ calls us to be servants. He calls us to be um, just you know, uh, followers of his. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. We don't, our life doesn't belong to us anymore. You know, it says in the word, to, in him we live and move and have our being. So, um, yeah, the, in the Masons, I mean, it's just almost endless. By the time you go through only the first two degrees, you've wrecked every part of your body. David, David, your stomach, your reproductive systems, your back, your, your head, your neck, your um, hips, your kidneys, your adrenal glands. I mean, they've pretty much nailed it all. Yeah. And if you don't know that, you're going to be sick and spend a lot of time, you know, with doctors, medications, and trying to fix that in a way that doesn't really fix it. You know, it's trying to, like, throw, um, what's that stuff you put in your gas tank, you know, to make your car run better when actually your car's, the carburetor needs fixing. I mean, or the, you know. Right. You, you can only put that stuff in for so long, and then you're going to have to get the carburetor fixed or attend to the, um, whatever issue, the hole in the gas tank or whatever it is, you know. Right. Yeah. Stop Trying gap measure. the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Or it's not working very well. So, but yeah, and, but people get very discouraged uh, when these persecutions and these things happen in their lives, um, the injustices. Um, uh, it, it, for example, injustices and unfair settlements, lawsuits, lawsuits and stuff, that one, a lot of times people... You know, you get thrown into a divorce, you get taken to court, you get thrown before a judge who's probably not very just and probably very much in favor of the wicked one instead of you. And um, the Bible says to wait on the Lord, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked. Um, The key in any situation of injustice is to always forgive and wait on the Lord to bring the justice. Forgiving again means you release them from your judgment, turn them over to the righteous judge, and let him do the judging. The temptation for is to take matters into your own hands and get offended, get upset, uh, push the issue, uh, which just opens the door to more oppression and temptation. And um, sometimes we're even tempted to despise the chastening of the Lord. All things work together for good in our lives. Even these things, um, they can be used as opportunities to qualify us for a greater reward, uh, demonstrate our faithfulness. Um, Of course, God knows we're faithful. It's the devil who doesn't believe we're faithful. So God uses all these things to um, 
to make us more like Jesus, and we don't seem to like that idea. We want to have the easy, you know, piece of cake and have our cake and eat it too kind of thing. Um, and in, uh, the uh, curses of shortened lives and, and distress can be um, difficulties that are tied to the length of life and distress may include fear uh, of confessing our sins or keeping them secret. That would go back to the Masons, maybe not even knowing them. Um, unclean spirits, mute spirits, uh, perversion, unbelief, skepticism, scoffing, doubt, disobedience, um, religion, reasoning, spiritual blindness, self-righteousness, uh, spirit of stupor, all of these working to get us to agree with some agreement that our ancestors, with the same agreements kind of that our ancestors have made. So are you still with me? I'm still with you. All right. Do you have any more questions? There I have lots of questions. <laughs> um, you know, that, that Freemasonry, I mean, even just having read through part of that book that you had, it it's amazing how far that can reach into somebody's life. And if you don't even know you have it in your family because, heck, it's supposed to be a secret, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, people are suffering from things they have no idea why. They're blaming God. They're getting upset at other people. You know, the devil can just keep them chasing their tail. I know, and, and that's and, exactly what you want. Right. So, um, well, are there so many more lies that you wanted to um, discuss in the book? Or are we saving that all for Saturday? Uh <laughs> Well, we can talk about, you know, there's, again, I think the first thing for people to do is to come to grips with, do I believe this? Is the Bible got enough information, evidence here that this is really what's going on? Because we have been so taught that it's all under the blood. It's all taken care of. I mean, we, we're, we're really taught to do a very passive uh, Christianity. You know, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. He knows where I live, you know. I'm just going to, you know, wait for him to show me. And, um, and, he, and it's just not a very aggressive kind of Christianity that we're taught these days. And I don't think that's true to the, what really went on in the Word of God. They were, not, they were aggressive, but they weren't, um, they weren't uh, arrogant. They weren't, I mean, their aggression was against the enemy, not against people. But we are just uh, so consumed with basically the lies that we don't understand that what we're suffering from right now in this nation, in the world, are judgments. And people say, well, this is God judging. You know, this weather is God judging us or this a tornado, this whatever, whatever. I don't think all the bad weather and I don't think all the tornadoes are from God. As a matter of fact, a couple of examples is when um, Jesus was on the in the boat and the guys, the disciples were freaking out because the tempest had come up and they were going to sink and he was asleep in the back of the boat. And Jesus rebuked the tempest. Obviously, he wasn't, you know, if it was something he would have had and sanctioned, he wouldn't have rebuked it. So the enemy, I think, was trying to kill them off, you know, another mm-hmm. weak and feeble attempt to destroy the Son of God before he finished his mission. But that's one particular place where he, where the weather was rebuked by the Lord. And um, I really believe that part of our problem, it's a little bit of a tangent, but with the weather and stuff as being as freaky as it is, we don't think we have any power to do anything about it. But, uh-huh. you know, if the weather 
if the if the, it's coming from the devil, then as a believer, I know some I know some believers who've actually done stuff like this. They say, well, then if this is not from God but from the devil, then I send this back to where it came from. I turn this around. You can't take my you know hail um, coming you know tornadoes, uh, hurricanes. Use your authority. What do you got to lose? I mean, you know, you just might see God do a mighty miracle in your in your behalf. He opened the Red Sea. He can do all these things, and he wants to be God, but he wants somebody to believe him so he can do something. And if nobody's asking him, then he gets to sit on his throne and watch the devil do everything. We're always praying to the devil. You know, um, we are. We give the agreements through worry, anxiety, fear. Oh no! Mm-hmm. You know, bad luck. It's going to happen again. We're, we're we're praying to the devil with fear and anxiety, but we don't rebuke him, and we don't usually praise God. We say, "No, you won't, devil. Shut up. Put it back. Um, no, you can't. Uh, I send this back to where it came from. You know, we just don't because you know why? We're think we'll think. Oh, people will think I'm crazy. Well, what does God say? You know, does God think you're crazy, or is God happy with you for doing it? You know, what did Jesus do when he said to the devil, get behind me, Satan, when he's talking to Peter? I mean, did he care what Peter was going to think? I don't think so. Oh, Jesus was just right in the face of this thing. And he gets right in the face of the enemy, and I think we need to do that, too. Um, We're just wimpy, passive. Well, I think most people don't think they have the authority to do that. Because They don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know who they are. Yeah, that's exactly right. Who are they in Christ? He gave us all the power and authority mm-hmm. because of him, not because of us. Right. He said, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Well, was he just saying that to write something down on the page so that they would? <laughs> and, of course, that all ended with the 12 apostles. So uh, everything yeah. ended when they, you know, ended the book when of they Romans. It was just for them. You're right. Yeah. So that means salvation doesn't count anymore either. Everything's gone, ended, it's all over, done with. So I don't know about the book of Revelations. I don't know what's going to happen there because that's not done yet. But see, that's the foolishness of people believing what they're told all the time. Go look it out for yourself. Check it out. Read the Bible. You'll be fascinated. But the thing is, again, going back to the beginning, it is sin. It is iniquity. It is disobedience that brings the curse. It's the oath. It's the agreement that's made with the enemy that allows the enemy to, you know, bring his charges, present his case before God regarding you. And I, I, I would really like for people to um, examine what we're saying, you know, pray about it, take it to the Lord and see what God is saying. Because um, a lot of times people, you know, you want to just go back with your opinion and say, well, that's stupid. But, okay, if your life is great and everything's fine and you don't have any curses, then ignore it. Ignore what I said. But if you've got problems, there's a reason. The curse without a cause does not come, Proverbs 26, 2. So um, that's kind of what, and, you know, there's just tons and tons and tons of opportunities for the enemy here because there's been many, many centuries of sin and, you know, judgment and rebellion against God. Um, and again, God wants us holy. He wants us sanctified. He wants us at peace. He wants us to um, love ourselves, love him, love one another, be fruitful um, unto every good work. Uh, he wants us in these, even in these days, he doesn't want us to be fearful. He wants us to rejoice in everything, give thanks. So 
again, we got one more, few more minutes if anybody wants to call in. Um, the number is 347-215-8051. Is anybody in the chat room chatting with us? Oh. No. Now went to bed. Pretty quiet out there. <laughs> oh, well. Interesting. So what should we talk about next week? Um, I don't know. What would you like to talk about? You have your festival coming up. Oh, yeah, the festival. We're going to go talk to people about God. And, again, you know, there's so many gods out there. It's it's crazy enough. And the arguments that Satan can make in people's minds for um, believing mm-hmm. and following after their own fantasies. I think a lot of people don't even want to look at this idea of whatever. They just want to eat their crackers and chips and watch their favorite TV shows and drink their favorite drinks and, you know, ignore the, the, the rest of life. They don't know what to do with, you know. But um, Hide out till the end. Yeah, hide out till the end. Well, the end is coming, guys, and it might be more serious and crazy and scary than you think. Um, so I'm appreciating all the people that are downloading, though, and I hope they're telling mm-hmm. their friends. Uh, this has been fun to be able to uh, share with everyone. And uh, so I think next week we're either going to talk about, um, you know, paganism. I think paganism sounds like a fun topic, don't you think? I agree. Paganism, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. The alternative. Yeah, well, you know, I, paganism has been around from the very beginning, and Satan had, has had to come up with an alternative explanation for everything. Absolutely. And so he has an explanation for how we got here. He's got an explanation for the planets, for um, how things work, how to get things to work. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he's got help he can give you. He's got all kinds of things that he is just ready and willing and on deck to just give you whatever. And um, so I think those alternative explanations or, you know, whatever contradicts the truth of God is comes classified as paganism. And his plot is as deep as it is wide, and it is wide and deep as it is endless. Uh, he's out there doing everything. You're getting programmed with everything you come into agreement with, including the music you listen to, uh, the food you eat, uh, anything uh-huh. that you're agreeing with, you're giving an uh, agreement to or consent to, is being permitted by the enemy then to program you. So how about another commercial real quick before we... Uh, Okay, we got it. God on trial. And he is, let me tell you. <laughs> extra, extra, read all about it. God's in trouble. You've just tuned in to EUL, Eternity Uplink, where you are getting all the up-to-the-minute information on the biggest news since the flood. The Court of Heaven has been called into a special session to resolve the dispute in the landmark trial between God and Satan. The shock has left the earth spinning. I heard that the battle is over the souls of the humans. The score was never really settled at Eden, and now it's erupted into this. Satan challenging God's right to rule the world. Can you believe it? First Eden, now Earth, where will it stop? Stay tuned for the latest developments as the story unfolds. Or download the latest episodes to your iPod. This is Angel Anchor. And court reporter for EUL. You know, God on trial, 
you really don't realize how much this battle it is all about God, and He's the one being tested all the time regarding His love for us and if He's just and if He's good. Uh, he's being tried every day in your heart. And the questioner says, how could God? How can he? Why did he? Uh, if he is so good. So God is really on trial every day in the hearts and minds of all believers. And if we understand how intense this battle is and how much God loves us, that's the only way that we're really going to be able to make any sense out of any of it. And I don't know about you, but I like to make a little sense out of this thing. I don't like to be stabbing in the dark and not know what I'm doing. I like to understand things. <laughs> so, um, I mean, if you're if you're on board with it, I'd say check it out. God on trial. We are. Uh, what it is is it's a radio drama that's um, heading works through the Old Testament, um, and Satan is charging God with criminal neglect of the universe, abusive use of power, and conflict of interest. And we want to finish this project before the end of the world. Seriously, I know this may sound a little melodramatic, but um, I think we're running out of time. And if we take take as much time to finish it as we've got and get as far as we have, we will probably run out of time. So I'm going to be real bold and say, hey, if you've got a little extra cash laying around, there's probably going to get lost a few different ways to Sunday before the banks crash and the stock market goes away and whatever. If you want to invest a little money in the kingdom of God, um, the other, a couple of weeks ago, we had a couple of little boys that are about 10, 10 years old. They gathered up their allowance. I don't know how long they saved it. $22. And they said, yeah, we don't want to buy one. We want to, we want to give you this way so you can make the next episode. Well, each of those episodes is professionally done people. And they're like 4,000 bucks for 30 minutes. And so, I yeah. mean, you know, you're getting a deal here when you're buying the 12 episodes for 60 bucks. I mean, come on. And uh, there's 12 more to go. So I'm laying a guilt trip on you. <laughs> I don't like to ask for things by not asking for myself. I'm saying, you know, if God wants to get this done, we're going to have to get it done. And, you know, the, the thing that really bothers me sometimes is that there's so many people out there that have so much money. I hear. I hear there's people with money out there. I don't know that for a fact. <laughs> I hear that's a rumor. There's people with money. Even believers have money. Uh, and, and, of course, they're spending their wads of money on things that don't matter, uh, even for God, things that don't matter, like statues and bells and towers and stained glass windows and bricks and mortar and new sidewalks. And I, I'm not, you know, not going to judge your sidewalk and say, why well, you shouldn't have done that. But, you know, what, what is something better that you could do than give someone something to think about that might save their soul? You know, they don't really care if you get a new stained glass window or a bell in your belfry. They really need something in their hand that's gonna they're gonna listen to this and wow, this is really good. Well, well, I never thought. Wow, that's that's what's happening. You know, I mean, come on, people, the little kids are getting this. Kids are getting this, but they can't pay for it. They're twenty two bucks. They're gonna quite make it. Bless their heart. So, um, if you got some money, seriously invest in the kingdom of God. Uh, liferecovery.com. Check it out. We got a phone number there, 763-785-4234. We'll take mm-hmm. your money any day and we'll bless you for it. But see, the thing is, a lot of what God does, he does without money, but he also has people. And you know, when he built the tabernacle, he built the temple, he had them giving offerings. They had brought so much that Moses had to tell them, hey, that's too much. That's enough. We don't need any more. I have never had that problem. Oh, my God. I've never seen that. I heard, I heard the Red Sea opened once, too, you know. I mean, I heard yeah, right. and I believe it happened. But, so, people, next week, okay, tell your friends. We're talking about paganism and New Age. 
All right, and so signing off for tonight. God bless you all, and join us on Saturday, May 17th at Rogers at the Holiday Inn at 10 o'clock in the morning to break generational curses. All right, good night. God bless. Bye. Good night. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.